0: What is Daryl Morey trying to do? Will Chris Paul fit with James Harden? And what does the end of the Phil Jackson era mean to the Knicks? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show on Periscope. An immediate reaction, actually to uh, a crazy, crazy trade that just happened between the Rockets and the Clippers. And uh, as always, I'm joined by Coach Dave, Dave Dufour. Uh, and we have a lot of things to talk about. A lot of people are uh, have their hair on fire to figure out what's going on here. So uh, let's just jump right into this, Dave, and let's figure out what, what is the trade, what happened, uh, what are the pieces that are going back and forth?
1: So this is the one disadvantage to being on Pacific time is that all this stuff starts happening at like 7 a.m. I get the Woj alerts just waking me up. Uh, I I was already awake, but you know what I mean. Um, So the trade – okay, so Chris Paul is opting in for his option year for the 17-18 season. Um, He also has a trade kicker, which uh, apparently he is going to waive part of. Um, The deal is Chris Paul for Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams – sam decker and the houston uh a top three protected 2018 first round pick from houston that is um i think that's a good trade for houston i think it's a good deal i mean anytime you can get a guy like chris paul who's you know even if he's you don't think he's top 10 he's definitely top 15 in the nba to pair with your you know your top five james harden um that's that's huge. And and for all the fit issues that that people are concerned about, I think you got a couple of smart players and you've got the guy who's just the coach of the year, uh, they will figure it out. I, I think it, it it will be just fine. And um, you know, he kinda adds that that mid range element that they were missing last year, you know, one of the things that really killed him in the playoffs.
0: Now, let's talk about that for a second because, you know, the mid-range to the Rockets is uh, death. They do not want to shoot those. Well, um, I think what an interesting point I had heard, I think, Jeff Hornacek say a couple of years ago was that when you get to the playoffs, um, eventually as those uh, defenses get better, they're going to take away the three. They're going to block you off from the lane. So you're going to have to take some mid-range, and if you haven't worked on it and haven't had it as part of your arsenal, then you're kind of in trouble. And I think that's an interesting take, and I feel like that was a small nugget that might be part of what uh, was part of this, the struggle with the Rockets in the uh, playoffs. Um, I think the bigger struggle ends up being how much James Harden had to work on offense in D'Antoni's system. Right, and so that that's another aspect
1: of getting Chris Paul you know you it allows both of those guys to play off ball quite a bit. I mean, remember, uh, Chris Paul in his la- like the last couple seasons has shot about 39-40% on threes and and Harden, we saw last year, he only shot like what 33 or 34% because of all the tough shots he has to take. Well, now he's got another another really good shooter next to him, but another off the dribble pick and roll threat. I mean, Chris Paul is one of the better pick and roll ball handlers in the league. So to pair those guys together, I think I think it helps both of them. It lightens their load, but also it allow it'll allow them to stagger those minutes too. So you know you don't have a big tug of war for too many minutes a game with you know like is it your turn? Is it my turn? And and I actually think you can run a Chris Paul James Harden pick and roll that you know they're both great finishers and they're both great shooters. That's going to be pretty formidable i I think that you know like we're kind of underselling um mike d'antoni's ability to coach a team i mean he he was (laughs) a coach of the year for a reason and i think he will make this fit work the question is is this it i don't think it is i think that they're going to make a big push for paul george um i i just i don't know if if they strike out on paul george can they clear cap space to get gordon hayward uh there's more happening so uh, Nick, hold off on that video for a couple of days with how does Chris Paul fit with the Rockets?
0: <laughs> you know, I'm really kind of frustrated because I was about to jump in the footage and do that. And I also, by the way, and maybe I can go back to doing the video I was going to do before this whole thing blew up, which was the triangle offense and why it generated much better shots than any other offense they were running in New York. But um, I think here's an interesting thing. We talked about this in the podcast last night was that I felt like the Clippers truly had something that would have gotten them to the title when they had Collison on their team and they could play Collison alongside Chris Paul. Now, I'm not trying to compare uh, Darren Collison to James Harden, but the idea being that Chris Paul actually became the sort of shooting guard in that scenario and they would do that for, you know, probably the five, six minutes a game and it really helped. Maybe it was longer than that uh, per game. So that's what I'm trying to think about as far as how can that work, and does it make Chris Paul better? Because, um, you know, I, have, I will guarantee you that there are going to be moments uh, in the season, especially probably early, where you're going to see Chris Paul just throw up his hands and be like, man, I, why am I knocking the ball? And then I think maybe James Harden would do the same thing. I have a feeling that they're going to have some growing pains where they are having a hard time figuring out who and how and trading off and this and that. It's really going to be a difference for both of them. So, um, that's the real question is, is are, are they good enough communicators that they can get through that?
1: Well, you know, these things are never seamless. Um, you know, even even the Warriors, adding Durant, I mean, there was that little, it was a little rough the first, like, you know, two months or so while they were kind of figuring out their roles and whatnot. Um, you know, the Miami Heat, of course, famously. You know, that's oh, yeah. two ball-dominant guys, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. And, and hopefully when you make your video, you're going to pull that, Pull, pull some clips from, from them in. Um, but I think that when you've got guys, like Harden is such a willing passer, and obviously Chris Paul is. So it's a little bit different. Like they're ball dominant in a different way but because they're both such amazing facilitators. I think that it makes the process a little bit easier. And again, the, the prospect of the Chris Paul, James Harden pick and roll, which I just thought about when I mentioned it before. It was the first time it had popped in my head. That, in and of itself, to me, sets their ceiling. I I think that their ceiling on offense could actually be higher than last year. I mean, I really do think it makes a huge difference.
0: Now, I'm trying to picture that a little bit because, you know, we have some certain staple D'Antoni actions that we saw. And by the way, it wasn't really the full-on, you know, D'Antoni offense that we would used to seeing. uh, But, you know, we have that staple, like, dribble to the wing, handoff into a ball screen pistol action. And so you start to think, okay, well, you know, that could be a dribble handoff to Harden and then Chris Paul would probably kind of be trailing a little bit and he could then set that screen in in motion with in quick motion. Um, so that, would, that could work really well. And certainly we've seen Chris Paul on the, off of handoffs with Blake Griffin be able to excel. And that's certainly a part of the offense as well. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't, it doesn't, it's not instantly like when KD went to the Warriors, it felt instantly like, yes, that will work. He will be able to attack on the catch and they will move the ball. And as we saw, it, it worked. Uh, this is not grabbing me the same way. Now, the other thing that's not grabbing me the same way is that as constituted right now with who they gave up, they gave up Patrick Beverly, which was, you know, important, but Chris Paul certainly makes up for that. Sam Decker, eh, uh, the, the, the protected pick, okay. Was there one more player in there?
1: Uh, Lou Williams.
0: So Lou, okay, and that, that's going to be big. Lou Williams is really helpful for, for them, but then again, they, are, they still have Aaron Gordon. But it's not enough, right? I don't think that this does anything to compete with the Warriors, whom they've lost, you know, the Rockets have lost 17 to 20 of their last games. So um, this is not it. And that begs the question, where are we going from here? Well, I have to
1: think that that the Paul George thing is is where they're leaning right now. And, you know, I mentioned this on Twitter. And, of course, you know, my mentions, anytime I mention the fact that the Lakers might trade Brandon Ingram, my mentions just light up and, and you know, like it's the craziest thing you've ever heard of. But the truth is, Indiana keeps gaining leverage. The the more teams that get involved, the more leverage they have, the better package they're going to get. So teams that want Paul George are going to have to up the ante. And I, and I firmly believe if Paul George goes to Boston or if he goes to Houston and uh, barring some Crazy unforeseen circumstance, he's either going to immediately do a renegotiation and extension, which will keep him there for the next three seasons, or he's definitely going to re sign in the summer. Like, I just don't see him leaving what is two really good franchises. You know, like they're not dysfunctional at all, they're always competitive. Um, you know, in, in Boston, they were just in the Eastern Conference finals. You have to think if they add Paul George, you know, they're more of a threat to Cleveland, and with Houston. If they got Paul George, that puts them in the conversation, you know, for the uh, Western Conference Finals. I don't think it makes them better than the Warriors, but it at least gets them to the, you know, to the dance. You know what I mean? So um, if I'm L.A. and I feel like I was all in on Paul George, everything's on the table. And that includes Brandon Ingram. And and I'm not necessarily a fan of that because I really thought that they should have, you know, when you get three number two picks in a row – you hope that you come away with a nice young core that, you know, is going to compete in like three or four years and, and going to grow with their young coach and all this stuff. Well, they've already traded one of those number two picks. I don't think they're going to trade Lonzo Ball yet. Um, I, I think Ingram, you know, is, is one is a good asset. But my question for, for the Lakers fans, you know, are you higher on Ingram's upside? or what Paul George is going to be for the next 6 or 7 years. Like, I mean, that we we know what Paul George is, we don't know what Ingram's going to be yet. And the end of last season, it was I mean, it was great. He he played really really well despite the narrative that was set for the first 2 months. He finished the season really strong and I like a lot of what I see and I see a bright future, but how much do you care about winning soon rather than down the line? I mean,
0: right. So when you mentioned Brandon Ingram, are you, are you thinking of some sort of three-way trade that gets Paul George to Houston? No, I'm thinking, you know, if
1: if Brandon Ingram, I, I feel like if Brandon Ingram is involved in a deal for Paul George from the Lakers, I, I think Indiana would take that deal. Brandon Ingram's timeline lines up better with Miles Turner. Um, it, it would be a great start to a rebuild for for that team. I mean, to have two, two guys that could be... Uh, foundational superstars, like they could be your, your top two of a big three. That's pretty good, especially on rookie deals. And then, you know, you sort of tank for two years, not, not on purpose because you're going to play young guys, and then you pick up a couple more lottery picks. Um, but I don't – now, I don't know that they'll do it, and I know Magic has come out and said they're not trading Ingram, but I'll just remind everyone um, it, it's in the team's best interest to say things like that, right? You want to you overvalue – at least publicly overvalue your assets so people come and throw stuff at you. I mean, that that's a real thing. No one in the league is
0: untradeable. Well, here's the thing I want to talk about now because let's just pretend the Houston Rockets are going to eventually somehow put together a package and get Paul George. Well, at that point they would have gutted the team so significantly That again, even Chris Paul, James Harden and uh, Paul George doesn't do it, I don't think. Maybe if you still have Clint Capella. So that's four of the five guys you can start. But uh, I just don't know what they're going to do. And I think that leads us to the next level where they'd have to turn to free agency, it sounds like. And they'd have to get guys uh, to take a pay cut, right? Would that make sense?
1: Well, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'll need to see the up, updated cap. Um, I didn't. I didn't think to update the cap myself before we started doing this. I mean, you know, we kind of just jumped on. But um, you know, I, I think that yeah, at least for veteran guys, you probably will see them want to take a discount, especially if they get if they get Paul George. It, it's going to be very similar to what the Heat did while LeBron was there, and what the Warriors are doing, what the Cavs are doing, where these. Veteran guys will probably take a pay cut to come there. Um, but they may be able to make room for Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin. I don't see him being in on Blake Griffin. But, um, you know, uh-huh. Paul Millsap, they may they may be able to, to make room for that. Remember, Paul Millsap's 32. Now, you would think that after a couple years of being underpaid, he wants to go out and get paid. But, you know, he might be a guy that's just more interested in winning. And we'll take a pay cut to come there. Um, Serge Ibaka would be an interesting addition to this team. Another guy who he's made a little bit of money uh, will be a free agent. Maybe he, you know, again, takes a pay cut to come there. Um,
0: well, it sounds like would be cheaper anyway, wouldn't he? I feel like it, it, after the year he's had, he's sort of in the woods a little bit there where I don't think he's a uh, max or anything like that, right? They'd get him anyway on a market value, you think? I don't know. I mean,
1: the Raptors may max him because they, you know, they're going to have a hard time attracting free agents, oh. so they may max him anyway. I mean, they have the bird rights or whatever. So, uh, you know, it's a tricky it's it's a tricky scenario going in. But like I said on yesterday's pod, or I guess it dropped today, um, never count out Daryl Morey. Right? he's always working on something, and, and he, you know, I'm sure that he's got his his main plan and then a contingency plan and then a contingency for the contingency and so on and so on and um you know like there are guys out there that that people probably aren't even thinking of like uh Danilo Gallinari um Taj Gibson uh Jamichael Green you know what I mean so there are guys out there Kelly Olenek might be available um they may make him an unrestricted free agent so um Andre Robertson. Like, there, there are guys out there that they could add to this team on, you know, non max deals that, that could wind up rounding, rounding the team out very nicely. So, okay. but I, I think that there's more moves to come.
0: Right. Because if, if, if it is a trade for Paul George with what's left, I, it's hard to imagine they're not going to have to give up like Aaron Gordon or, right? Like, what's the next best asset they have?
1: Yeah. I think Eric Gordon is probably on the table in a Paul George deal, uh, the 2020 pick um you know Ryan Anderson of course because you know he's making 20 million a year so they probably would wind up trying to move him right um yeah uh there's uh what else do they have I mean they've got
0: capella but I don't see him moving capella uh but it's possible right it it, it really is possible right. And then they, maybe they're going to ride with Montrez Harrell. Maybe he finally gets his shot because, you know, they don't need scoring or anything from that power forward position in that starting lineup. They just need the high-energy guy that can run and get rebounds and block a shot or two, which is what Capella already does for them anyway. Um, but that, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I wonder, you know, it, to me it almost feels like no matter what, like they have to be able to keep Aaron Gordon. He uh, – hmm. I'm sorry. I just – what am I Eric. saying? Eric. I keep saying that, right, yeah. Eric? They have to be able yeah. to keep Eric Gordon. Uh, hey, Aaron Gordon would really work for them. By the way, um, he would be know. great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they have and to they have you, to keep you know, Eric Gordon. I feel like there's no other way around um, that to keep them competitive with the Spurs and the Warriors.
1: Now, you know you just—you've got my brain spinning right now thinking about Aaron Gordon. Um, yeah, I think. Well, I've got—I've got an idea here. Um, I think Eric Gordon is important for what they do. Like, I mean. If you're going to lose Lou Williams, I think you got to try to keep Eric Gordon. It's going to be tough to make that Paul George trade. And ultimately, you'd rather have Paul George than Eric Gordon. So if it comes down to that, you make that move. Um, but you bring up Aaron Gordon. You know, when the, when the Magic drafted Jonathan Isaac, I actually said, well, I wonder if this means that Aaron Gordon might be moved. Right. I mean, he's a great he's not the asset that he was, you know, a year and a half ago but he's got to get some sort of return and i wonder man houston could could potentially be in on aaron gordon and how would he look playing for dan tony you know he's only playing the 4 or the 5 right none of this you know playing playing the 3 bullshit that they're doing in orlando and um you know like he'd get out i mean james harden chris paul throwing lobs to aaron gordon i mean that that's something um i have no information on this whatsoever but I'm just throwing that out there. And for the people in the, uh, in the chat saying Isaac can play the small forward, I think Isaac is a four in the NBA um, and, and maybe a small ball five. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, again, we have to remember that this notion of four – in Small ball four, it won't exist anymore. It'll simply be the long skinny guy uh, that can shoot a little bit. Like that's what the four will be. If not this year, like I would say within two or three years, basically, that's what's going to happen. Is we're going to have. So I feel like we need to all start now getting over this notion of, oh, he's too small. He's too skinny. Uh, that ain't going to matter. I don't think pretty damn what, soon.
1: What matters more than anything is being too big and too slow to play the three. Right. Like that. That's the the differentiation. Like I'd rather have a guy that's smaller, undersized for what you would consider a traditional three than a guy who is more more uh, well suited to play the modern four, which Isaac is just like Aaron Gordon. Right. Like they're just not suited for the three now.
0: Right, like you would have said a 6'6 six, Klay six Thompson. Is, is he, what is he, 6'6", like whatever? 6'7". Would have been like maybe too small for, for small forwards, but the dude's playing power forwards now uh, when he has Absolutely. to on switches. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, and I actually think that if Klay Thompson was on the Rockets, he would probably play quite a bit of four because he's stout.
0: Right. Oh, he is. He, there he is. And so is, so is Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, he, and this reminds me, Tony Allen is not a better defender than Clay Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that one in there. I think that's a video. But then all of Memphis is going to hate you. So. I know. Well, they, I think they might hate me already, even though I have yeah. – you know why? They hate me because of the Mike conley righty floater fetish. But nonetheless, um,
1: you so, know, uh, I, I don't know.
0: But it, it was weird that like uh, you wouldn't have believed how much shit people wanted to put out, heap on Clay Thompson's defense. All the, Like out of the woodwork for coming out of I don't know from what field that was coming from. Uh, as if he was a second year player who hadn't done anything um, as a defender uh, for any meaningful amount of time. I mean it was insane. you know so uh, just just quickly
1: back to the back to the Houston free agent thing. Uh, there's a couple of other guys that are interesting that are gonna be lower down. So you got Rudy Gay who is coming off an Achilles injury, right? So he, they might actually be able to get someone like Rudy Gay. did he opt in or did he opt out? I, I believe he, he opted opt- out it sounds he opted out. Which is crazy coming off an injury, but um, you know if if he's if he's available, I mean there's a night nice, that that's a perfect small ball four for this team. Uh, Patrick Patterson would be great back in Houston. Um, man, like there's a lot of guys they actually could throw together a really really nice team. Um, you know I don't see him signing like Miritich. Uh, that that doesn't make any sense, but PJ Tucker. CJ Miles is available. Like there are guys out there, so um, this this is going to be interesting. I mean, again, Daryl Morey is is you know putting in work, and I'm not surprised. By the way, the answer is Gallinari. Yo, Gallinari would be good, but but I think Gallinari is going to be in that 18 to 20 million range. Now, if you move Ryan Anderson, you've got the space, but you know a lot of this. I'm thinking. If they get Paul George, can they get one of these other guys as well?
0: Right. Uh, and, yeah, because I don't see anybody like Kelly Olynyk. He's just too young. He wouldn't do a you know if he's a free agent. He wouldn't take a cut to do that yet in his career. Uh, right. And although that some would be of these guys fair. need to get paid. Yeah, and it would be interesting. But no. Um, and by the way, Boston needs to keep him. They need to resign him. I feel like he's an important part of this for them. Uh, well, so
1: this is the thing they're, they're, they're going to make him potentially make him an unrestricted free agent so they could get Paul George, do the renegotiation and extension and sign Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. It, the cap you know, gymnastics, the cap gymnastics involved in that is, 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 it's not totally complicated, but it is a little tricky.
0: Yeah. So that's the question is can, now, so and you can't even do that until free agency starts, right? Right. Like whatever is going on there, is there's a, it's a hold, whereas this is why Houston has an opportunity, right, for the next few days of the trade to get Paul George before the, the Celtics can kind of get their machinations moving into something.
1: Right. And so this is, this is my whole point about this whole thing being great for Indiana. And as you can see, sometimes, just like with Minnesota, holding on to a guy for a little while, Right. Like, I mean, free agency hasn't even started yet. And just because they didn't move Paul George ahead of the draft. His value is actually increasing because now he's more and more in demand. I mean, Houston wasn't a serious contender. I mean, of course, Daryl Morey is in on every guy that's available, but they weren't considered a serious contender. And now they are as far as for for Paul George. Um, You know, Boston was in and out like when when. When everyone thought Boston was getting Jimmy Butler, it was like, oh, they're off Paul George. The Cavs were in and then they were out. And, you know, so we've watched Paul George's value kind of go up in the last, you know, eight days. It's it's pretty – you know, this is actually a great time if you want to learn about the the NBA, like the front office stuff, like the salary cap stuff and player value. This is actually a really great time for that because you're seeing like – Where value goes, I mean, think about Porzingis and, and, you know, the trade offers that were that were reported were not what you would think immediately. If, you know, if you if you don't understand this stuff, you wouldn't immediately think that these offers were, were any good because of what Porzingis is and what he represents. But when you start to realize, well, wait, he's not a wing and this is a wing league and wings have more value, especially guys like Paul George. Right. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting,, uh, you know, couple days leading up to free agency. And of course, you know once that starts, all hell is gonna break loose. And it's a good thing we're gonna be here for all of it. I, i'm I'm excited.
0: Yeah, no, it's gonna be insane. Uh, because there's a lot more to come up. like we said last night in the pod. Uh, we're gonna be off on everything by next week, but this morning because it's gonna be crazy. Um, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't at least touch upon the the, the real news this morning which was where well, it broke first, which was that Phil Jackson was fired. And let's not make any mistakes here. You know, at three days before free agency, you don't just sort of mutually decide to part ways as a GM. You're fired. And they were nice enough to let him sort of, you know, take a bow out. Um, but it's a sad day over here at B-Ball Breakdown because it's basically the death of the triangle. I don't think they will ever see any kind of sort of formal triangle again in the NBA now that he's gone. And it's, you can kind of blame him for it too, but certainly uh, it's it's a dark day over here. Well, you know, you and I talk about
1: the triangle a lot. First of all, the Warriors—the basis for their offense is a the triangle. They just modernized it, and I think that this was the problem. And, and you know, um, I have I have a few problems with what Phil Jackson has done with the with the Knicks. Um, first of all, I don't think that you treat people the way that he's treated Carmelo Anthony. I, I think I think that was just. No, I'm not going to say disgusting because, you know, he didn't he didn't do anything like, you know, harmful to him. But he did stuff that was sort of harmful to his reputation, Try to push him out the door by just being disrespectful. And as a GM, that's not smart. How are you going to who's going to sign with your team when you've got a GM that treats a, a star player like that or any player? You know, I don't care if, if he was treating uh, Chris Duhan that way. It, yeah. it would be a you know, it's going to be a bad look. So that's not good. OK, um, being upset, you know, when you're running a, a team, an organization has been that dysfunctional, and it's been dysfunctional under him as well. It was before, but he didn't fix the dysfunction, and I think that's a problem. Um, but the insistence on on he should have just not talked about the triangle and done his job as an executive, hired a coach that he thought could coach, and just let the coach figure it out. Hornacek did a great job in Phoenix. I have no doubt he could have done a great job in New York, but trying to shoehorn, you know, the the old triangle into the modern NBA doesn't work. I mean, yeah. you look at what the Warriors did and compare it to what the Knicks were running, and and you and I have talked quite a bit. They weren't even running a lot of triangle action. It was like fifteen percent of their offense, and they when they ran it, they didn't do it well. Right. Uh, even though even though Melo really is well suited for it. Right. Um, well, but, let me interrupt
0: there because, you know, yeah. last year um, I had gotten some, a bootleg copy of a, of a practice during the training camp for the Knicks. And what made me so excited was they were running a very modern version of the triangle where they were pushing the ball through the wing, hitting the low post, splitting just like the Warriors do. And yet the season started and they weren't doing that. And it's, it's so bizarre to me when you see teams that like somehow in practice and they're doing it and all of a sudden the game time happens and they don't do any of what they were working on. We saw that again with, um, I want to say with D'Antoni with the Lakers or uh, who am I forget, somebody like that where we had seen I would gone to practice, whatever it was, and they were running this great stuff. And then all of a sudden the season starts and it was like Kobe's like, nope, we're not doing that. Like the night of an hour before the game, here's what we're going to do, coach. And uh, that is really concerning to me because it's like, well, who's running the show there? And then, yeah, you're adding on top of that, is a GM running it or is a coach running it? Um, it was frustrating that they didn't want to. The whole point of the, the triangle is that it is flexible and it is uh, bendable to what you have as personnel. And yet they never seem to be willing to do that. Uh, and the biggest issue or the biggest difference, I feel like, why it worked in, in, in certain places and not in others was Tech's winner. The guy that invented the offense was on the bench for the Lakers and for the uh, Bulls. And he wasn't in Minnesota when they only ran that with, with uh, Kurt Rambis hardly any of the time. He wasn't there in Dallas when Jim Clemens went there. And he certainly wasn't there in New York. And I think that, unfortunately, a lot of things that he did um, haven't been passed down either. So they don't have the attention right. to detail like we were talking about when you watch them run the triangle. So. It, it was it, it was just a bad fit, and I, you know what? I'm glad. I'm like, you know what? Let's just move on from it right. anyway because it wasn't going to work there as, as it was.
1: It was time to be done, and you know, I mean, it stinks for Dolan that they didn't decide this in April before that, uh, uh. for that next year the contract kicked in. But um well, no, you know, wait, and wait, someone... wait,
0: that's not the issue. I don't give a crap if he has to pay out his nose for oh, that. Oh,
1: sure, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But like, what about doing it a, a day before the free agency starts? Right that that's a huge
1: that's a huge mistake. Um, You know, but uh, someone in the Periscope chat just brought up, you know, and I totally just forgot about this. He hired Derek Fisher as a coach. Um, I think that was a a huge mistake, especially, you know, and we saw like some of the character stuff with Derek Fisher. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're the coach and you're hitting on players, girlfriends like that's a problem, man. Um, and, And you would think I understand the relationship was there. Um, and and that you, if you were trying to make the triangle happen, you bring in a guy that you've got a relationship with, uh, which is why Steve Kerr was up for for the job, which by the way, that's a whole nother parallel universe where Steve Kerr goes to the Knicks instead of going to the Warriors. Oh my God. Anyway, um, that's that's my next video. That's gotta be the next video. Yeah. That's it right there. What if Steve Kerr had, had gone to the the Knicks? Knicks. You know
0: what? He would have been fired too. I don't think that would have changed anything.
1: It wouldn't have worked out. Although, because again... Phil, Steve Kerr went to the Warriors and was able to to be the culture setter. And the culture setter in New York was Phil Jackson. It was going to be Phil Jackson even if Kerr went there. And I think that's the problem. Phil Jackson didn't set the right culture. You know, it was very like, you know, the the, I think he's bought into the Zen master stuff and the prodding guys in the media and all that stuff. And, And it's just it doesn't. It's not working anymore. Well, right? like wait, let me, let me add a
0: question. caveat to that, though, because it, it sounded like he didn't really even want the job. He was going to take a job with the Detroit Pistons as a consultant for a lot of money. And they kept throwing more and more money at him. And that was sort of what he's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And it definitely sounded like he didn't put all the time and effort that he would have normally would have expected a GM to do. So that's probably really a lot of what was going on as well. He didn't really put the time in like he should have now. Right. That said, there are plenty of moves he did that were good. That you know, Porzingis, you would, Porzingis is a great example. Kuzmins, Kuzminskis is good. Uh, Hernan Gomez was good. Uh, I like Holiday. You know, there were a number of those. But again, the, the Rose signing I think was always gonna, never a great idea. Although they got a little bit of peak Rose every once in a while. Uh, but and then the Joe Kim Noah thing was just a disaster from the beginning, um, and so. There are enough of those, but there are there was some highlights to like the moves he made. But again, I I, I think you have to point back to Dolan here. Uh, and by the way, a lot of that was Chris Broussard I was listening to on the radio earlier today saying that like he just didn't really work very hard uh, at, at doing that. I, I, who knows exactly what that means uh, if he had well, his millions doing it or not. I don't even know if
1: they have league pass in Montana. And he spent a lot of time in Montana during the season. I, I think that you know that's a real issue. Um, I, thought he was I was in L.A. Really, during
0: the season. Or down in Manhattan Beach or whatever.
1: Probably both, um, you know, going back and forth. I mean, uh, I wouldn't want to spend the winter in Montana or New York. Um, so uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I read this thing where he fell asleep during some some game where he was going to scout. I Look, I just think maybe his heart wasn't in it. And that matters. Like, I mean, you all the GMs that I've ever talked to, they're so passionate about their job and basketball and all these things. And Phil Jackson just doesn't feel that way to me. Not now. And maybe he should have coached for a couple of years there first, you know, uh, and and then transitioned to the front office there. I don't know, um, but whatever whatever they were doing, it obviously didn't work. So. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, someone in the Periscope chat. Yeah, he fell asleep during a draft workout with Malik Monk. Yikes. Which, come on, man. Don't sleep on that guy like everyone else in the draft did.
0: Yeah. No, I, I mean, listen, he's old.
1: Phil yeah, Jackson
0: is older probably than any GM in the league, right? I mean, I don't know how old he is. He's 70-something, 70 70, right? 77, 78, something like that. No, is he Is he that old? Yeah. Let's look at that up real quick. Because I'm, yeah. I mean, he and he looks old. He's had a lot. Uh, yeah, he was born. So in, 71, 71, 71, My bad. Right.
1: So Bill Russell seventy seven.
0: But either way, he's had a hard life. He's got a hard physical life where he's got to be hips replaced and stuff like that. Listen, I I, I can fall asleep when I'm at a game sometimes when I'm sitting there and it's comfortable enough. I mean, I, I get it, but certainly, um, you know, that that is an issue. I, I don't even know why he would have bothered going to some degrees. Like they film him or they send his scouts out there and they get the report back. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't oftentimes see GMs at private workout. Well, I, I don't know if I've been to that many, but either way, um, you know, so I, I think this is going to be a thing where I'm, I'm sure Phil wasn't going to argue, uh, hey, let me get out of here. But again, why they, I, I don't know. And I, I, I worry that like there could be a health issue as well now because it's, they did it now where it's like, listen, I got to get out of here. I got to go take care of this or whatever. So any heart issues in the past, so um it's a it's a troubling thing. The Knicks are now you know in the wilderness. I don't even know who they're going to bring in and who's going to want to take that job as it is now.
1: Well, you know the the report is they're going to go after Masai Ujiri. Uh, obviously, David Griffin is a free agent. Um, he could be a guy that they could bring in. Um, there's a lot of people clamoring for Sam Hinkie, and you know if I'm the Knicks, I at least bring him in and talk to him because. I think that that's one of the things that is is really important for a franchise if you want to be successful. I think yeah. you have to you have to look at a wide range of candidates, bring them in the room and hear what they have to say, and, and then make your decision instead of going for the splashy hire. Right. Like Hinkie would be kind of splashy, but not as splashy as getting Masai or getting David Griffin. Right, I, I made I a think trade.
0: Th- the Rockets made a trade.
1: DeAndre They're, Liggins. They,
0: Portland traded Tim Quarterman to the Rockets for cash. <laughs> I don't think that's going to solve their issues, but I don't even know what that means necessarily. Um, now that's, hang on, now that's interesting. Actually, is um, Portland going to try and make a run for something? I don't. I mean,
1: I don't think. But, I mean, I don't think Tim Quarterman's making a lot of money. Let me see. Uh, yeah. And
0: it, what is his value? What does that mean? Do they do they see some some efficiency there that no one else does? But you know. Is there some sort of weird thing where Quarterman is going to be a starting player? I don't even know what well, Tim Quarterman me, is to be honest.
1: I'm going to pull up his, his uh, What is he getting paid? I mean, he's making 1.3 million for this season, uh, so he's on a minimum. Um, yeah, but
0: again, this I would understand if like you know if the Rockets were clearing that, but they're taking it in.
1: Right, but this so this may be like either he's like going to be uh, sent to the D League, um, or they're looking. To fill out the end of the roster with minimum guys, Um, but it just seems a little bit early to to be doing that. But again, Daryl Morey plays five dimensional chess, so keep an eye out. I mean, uh, they did—they just traded for DeAndre Liggins as well um, from from the uh, the Mavericks. Uh, It was yeah for cash considerations. So again,
0: where did you see that?
1: Mark Spears reported it. Oh
0: wow! So,
1: okay. yeah. So uh, they they are obviously working um, to to get space, and he's on he's on a minimum deal as well. So yeah, there there's uh, there's some things happening right now, and this podcast is liable to not age well. Like by the time it's posted, it may be old news. Yeah, and and that's just where we're at. But luckily, we've got Periscope, so we can go live when Paul George gets traded uh, in 20 minutes yeah right <laughs>
0: well here's the thing about that though like you are not making those moves I don't think unless you already know you have these things in place and so we already know that Morey dropped that bomb two weeks ago where he had they were like you know and if he's going to say it in public they probably already had something which was probably the Chris Paul thing or he had the Paul George thing like wrapped up and then uh, on contingency of the Chris Paul deal getting made and so, in my mind, what that means is that, yes, Paul George is, uh, is on his way. Like, I, that, that's what, I, that's what I'm, I'm gleaning from this. Paul George is on his way to Rocket the Rockets right now. He might already know. Wow. I'm, I'm willing to say that. That's what it sounds like to me. Why, why are you filling out like, you know, this kind of stuff on your roster now? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so you know, it's obviously it's something. Maybe it's Gallinari. Maybe it's whatever whoever they decided to do, and that's that would be tampering, I suppose. But still, um, well, you know. you know,
1: so so bringing up tampering now that's very interesting, right? Like, because I mean, if if James Harden and and these other guys were recruiting Chris Paul to, to make it to make a trade happen, like isn't that technically tampering? I mean, Chris Paul was under contract still with the Clippers. Uh, free agency hadn't started or anything like that. Um, I don't think that, now. I don't care, right? Like I'm not like one of these. I'm not trying to be a snitch. But according to the rules, isn't that technically tampering? Wait, w- w-
0: was there a report that the Rockets met with CP3?
1: No, it was it was just James Harden and um, yeah. No
0: players are allowed to talk to each other as much as they want, and they could be as explicit as they want. Oh, they can. Yeah.
1: Okay. Because I I thought there were some tampering. I I thought that was uh there were allegations of tampering when uh when that happened with Durant, but um. No, I don't know. they are allowed to like, do that.
0: that. That's why they can report it. I mean, that's when when oh. when the the big three in Miami were getting together, or whatever that was, that story they were all on the maybe USA t- team, whatever that was. Yeah, they're allowed to. They're allowed to do it. They can call each other. They can do whatever they want, which is sort of like oh, easy way around the tampering, right? I don't think Bob yeah. Myers told uh, Draymond to call KD after Game Seven in the locker room, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure he would have thought about it the next day. <laughs> it would have been like, hey.
1: Yeah. So, um, hey man. Reach out. Anyway, yeah.
0: well, this is this is really interesting stuff. I think we went. We, I think we laid it out for a lot of people. A lot of good information and good analysis. So uh, we'll have to keep our eye on this and see what happens. I mean, listen, these things live as periscopes, People can watch them. Maybe we don't even post it as a pod if it ends up being uh, problematic and, and old. But we'll see.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, this medium, like doing it on Periscope, to me is like I think this is where podcasts are going to go. Right? It's the instant instant reaction and we'll be able to do this all summer. And so, uh, make sure you guys watching right now. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, you know, find us on Twitter, obviously follow us there. Um, set up the live video alerts for us because when we go live, you want to know, uh, and go ahead and follow us on Periscope as well. Um, and that way you can pop in and out and you'll get an alert anytime we go live. I mean, I, I, I just think that, with how much stuff is happening and what's about to happen when we hit free agency. And, and, you know, with this summer, because, you know, the new CBA, like teams are still learning it, right? Like I just started reading it last night. I mean, obviously I've got the, the bullet points, but like actually going through it and looking at some of the finer points, uh, teams are still learning it. And so as this, as the CBA starts to unpack, we're going to see some more moves, I think based on the new CBA where, um, the new five-year max is going to cause teams to make moves sooner rather than later, uh, and, and to avoid paying the five-year max to guys that they don't necessarily want around. Like, I mean, Chris Paul, like, will will be like, if he had signed a five-year max this summer, he'd be making like forty-three million dollars at age thirty-six. Right. So right. you're going to see a lot more moves like this, which may come out of nowhere. Although this one's been reported for a little bit, but it still feels weird. Um, you're gonna you're gonna see more moves like this because of the the threat of the five year max.
0: Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. and that's weird because we hadn't seen the sign and trade for a little while too for out of that. But okay, two minutes as we wrap this up, the fate of Blake.
1: Well, I, it doesn't. This doesn't bode well for him staying with the Clippers. Um, to me, this signals a possible move toward a rebuild. Um, I think that you may wind up with Blake leaving in free agency. Um, or possibly maybe you know they convince him to opt in to to organize you know uh, orchestrate a uh, a trade like they just did with Chris Paul, in which case you could speed up a rebuild. But um, I think it doesn't bode well for Blake sticking around. I think DeAndre is already on the market. You know we heard about that around the draft that they were shopping him around. So I, I don't think that the Chris Paul stuff. I don't think this is news to them. I think they've known about it for a minute. Um, but yeah, I think Blake probably leaves.
0: You know, it's, it's fascinating because Blake could stay and then, you know, get all the shots and, and sort of lead the team and do everything he'd want. Um, I don't know if he's in position right now to take a, a pay cut to go to a, a possible winner because, well, guess what? The Rockets are, need a power forward. Uh, they could use one if they get if they struggle uh, shuffle some stuff around to get Paul George. Um, so I don't know. That, that would be really interesting. I, I, I would think for sure they're all just going to disperse. That Redick would be gone. Uh, Blake is gone. And by the way, the other, an- the other right answer for DeAndre Jordan was he should have stayed in Dallas. He, he, when he decided to go there last year or whatever, uh, before last year, he just should have stayed. It seems like that would have been a better long-term uh, situation for him either way. Um, so yeah, but you then know, again, I, that, to me, it almost felt like for sure they're going to tear the whole thing down. But then I started thinking, you know what, Blake Griffin could very well look at him and be like, great, I'll I'll, I'll get my stats. I'll, I'll have a you know um, the run of the team, you know. But I don't know where he's at career wise. He's going to command a max, right? I think he's going to get a max. I, I, I assume he's getting a max because
1: he's not quite um, worth it, right? I mean, you know, I think it kind of this is it, the max is going to get watered down. Uh, Eventually, like I think he's in that next tier down, right, right below the max guys. Yeah. Like if you if you consider the foundational superstar guys, you know, like Paul George a max, right? Jimmy Butler. Let's say that he is a max on his next deal, or he would be a max if he could re-sign right now. You know, I put Blake on that next tier um, that would be just below a max. Um, but you know, before before we wrap this up, I just want to uh, point out the Periscope chat has been fantastic today. I mean, it really like these guys are throwing out some great information, including fixing uh, some of my age issues, which it just seems like I can never get it right. So Bill Russell's 83 years old. just going to okay. throw that out there. Um, but uh, the Periscope chat has been fantastic, which yeah. just makes me want to do another Periscope.
0: Well, here's the thing I want to announce because we were talking about this. I'm trying to figure out how to do a, a radio like a radio call in show uh, thing every day for like an hour. And basically, what we would do is just have another periscope, right? And we just maybe figure out a way for people to call in, or maybe we just keep doing it like this, and we just do it at a specific time every day. Uh, anybody want to respond to that let me know what you think about that because I feel like um, you know why deal with like Sirius XM NBA radio and all that kind of stuff and hear those guys talk you can we'll do our own version of that uh, daily and I think that that's maybe what we should do and we'll figure out if we can release these as a pod maybe I'll we'll simulcast them on a YouTube live channel um, and we'll get out with everything like that uh oh Woz Bomb no yep uh, Portland is straight oh no never mind the Woz Bomb so is the
1: Quarterman we- one Man, we're on edge here. Like even us, we're on edge with the Woj bombs. So yeah, we'll, you um, know, don't I'm,
0: don't scare me like that. Whoever that was in the comments on uh, on Paris, campaign, I, know, I don't see it. I know. Um, but I got my. So I, yeah,
1: but uh, yeah, my phone has actually my phone has been blowing up with people. Uh, you know giving me giving me info but nothing no no trades no new trades yet right, so someone's,
0: uh, someone's making up a five team de- five team deal yeah that's funny okay anyway all right well listen great stuff awesome comments awesome uh, discussion we'll be right back at it probably in a few minutes when we hear about paul george being traded so um thanks for all for coming here dave thanks for jumping on with me uh, real quick as our bat signal went up and don't forget sports fans at b-ball breakdown we're not a channel we're a conversation you win are you in dave Yes, I am.